0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Friday. Oh, dang it. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, mistimed it. I don't know if I don't know if you guys could tell, but I noticed that Dominic has been doing that every time I say the number. Yeah. So I've been like purposefully You've been throwing um, me off. I've been purposefully mixing up where I where I throw it in at to keep him on his toes. Fair enough. Um
1: I like the but, challenge.
0: So much so, today I'm not even going to mention the episode number. You guys can see it. It's on Dominic's uh, episode 123. <laughs> it's Friday. That means, once again, we're here to give you the MMA weekend preview. Dominic, there's a couple good cards this weekend. Well, one good card. Bellator's got a very good card. Uh, the UFC is, uh, well, it's a good main event. It's it seen brighter days, yeah. <laughs> main yeah. event's good. but yeah. uh, And we're having fights drop left and right. Uh, yeah, COVID is rearing its ugly head again, but we won't talk about that. Hmm. Um, Dominic, have you been paying attention to the Olympics at all? You know, you're a big, you're a big United States guy, big patriot, are
1: you? Yeah, USA, right? Um, <laughs> what was I watching the other night? I watched the men's uh, 400 meter swim uh, relay race or whatever. I saw the USA win gold in that one. Honestly, there's so much on at all hours of the day. I don't know what channel is hosting certain sports. So I just flip through and watch tad bits and pieces of all of it. So, yeah,
0: yeah I'm kind of lucky. I kind of lucked myself into being an avid Olympic follower Ooh. for this Olympics because I had been on a bit of a movie binge again recently. You know, I the you know, I'm a big movie guy. Big you movie know that. Guy, yeah. You know that. But the, the audience isn't, might not be aware. I'm, a huge movie guy. I know a lot about movies. I could probably, hey, I could probably do a podcast about movies if I wanted to. No, I would kidding. just chip in, like sit <laughs> in the back. Well, you haven't seen the Sandlot, so I mean, come on, sure. That's step. That's step I, one. I still yeah.
1: haven't since we talked about it, but I digress.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um, point is that it, once I got to college, it stopped being like a consistent binge. And now it's like I go through these little spurts, you know, these, Mm. I'll go months without really watching a new movie or anything. And then like, I'll just get into kind of a groove of like for a month I'll watch. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I think, in July, I watched like 60 movies.
1: Holy moly. Okay. Working,
0: I mean, I'm working from home, so you just yeah. have one in the background and everything like that. I, I literally I think I watched like 50, 60 movies.
1: I mean as soon just, as we get done recording, he goes right into a movie. Yeah. I mean. So
0: I mean that's that's been kind of my thing, but because of that, I had to start buying more of these streaming services. I talked about mm-hmm. this on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of the ones I happened to buy was Peacock, the NBC streaming service, and as If you are watching the Olympics, you're probably aware Peacock is the big thing ah. NBC is pushing for their Olympic coverage. So because of that, I've been watching a shit ton of the Olympics. So <laughs> now go. that I'm, once again, I'm kind of out of my movie binge. <laughs> they just came and went. Now <laughs> I've been watching Olympics and oddly enough, a lot of ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. I've been watching a lot of <laughs> Okay, okay. So uh, definitely keeping myself occupied. But go USA. Um, If if you're one of our international listeners or watchers, all respect. you. Made a best country win. Yes. Um, But with that being said, Dom, I think it's time to transition into our fight announcements. Let's do it. (laughs) And we start with the really sad one. I'm going to be really curious to hear what you have to say about this. I mean, I'm in pain. I cried. So so Tatiana Suarez, you know, she's been out for a long time. We're really excited to see her make her return at a new division, women's flyweight. She was supposed to fight Roxanne Mataferi on September 25th, UFC 266. Unfortunately, Tatiana Mm. is out of this bout. Now, Dominic, I don't have to ask you how you feel about this. I know you feel really bad. So I'm going to kind of – you can elaborate on that. But I'm going to get your thoughts on another question I have here. And maybe this question is – maybe not the nicest one to be asking considering right what's going on right now with her, but are we ever going to see the best of Tatiana Suarez? Is she ever going to really capitalize on that hype that she's earned for herself?
1: Almost like a Ryan Hall situation. Almost that when we talked about Ryan Hall, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I sure hope so because this woman truly, I mean, we're going to be reviewing this here in a few weeks. So a little spoiler on what's coming in a couple of weeks, but Talking about who I had predicted to be a champion this time or at this point in the year, last year going into Mm -hmm. it. And Tatiana, I had as the strawweight champion, obviously didn't come to fruition with her, you know, severe injuries. And here she is again pulling out of another fight due to injury. I know they are in talks to reschedule it, but it's just like, man, is it just bad luck? Is it the body wearing down after years and years of wrestling and hard work? And she's a cancer survivor as well. So there's Mm -hmm. just so many intangibles there for her. It's so unfortunate to, to your point. Will we ever see the best of her? Again, I hope so. Maybe not. She's still in that prime age area, but you just got to figure losing two years of it now, getting delayed here again. It's definitely not helping her case, but uh, as a huge fan of hers, watching her come up through tough and winning that, I can only hope that we do get to see this woman as a champion one day.
0: I mean, if she does come back from this and, you know, we do get to see her, really be the female Habib that we've mm-hmm. kind of called her and that many others have, short, have sort of enshrined her with. To me, that's like Dominic Cruz level. comeback, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is not impossible, obviously, because I just said Dominic Cruz did yeah. it and uh, he's still fighting and looks like he's kind of in a group for himself in terms of uh, health for once. So um, I, I do think she can uh, come back. You know, she, she's going to, come back from this it looks like relatively soon it is very yeah. unfortunate that we finally got a fight scheduled for her and then she has to pull out of it mm-hmm. but hopefully we'll still get to see her before the end of the year yes and then maybe she can get back on track but yeah definitely um you gotta wonder kind of what mixture of factors is really affecting her here if it's mm-hmm. if there's anything in her control that maybe she can fix i doubt it but it, it would be worth i guess Looking into right, right. Moving on for now, we have some Bellator news. A rematch has been booked. It's headlining on October first in London. Yeah, that's a that's a big risk actually to kind of go ahead and book that because, uh, funny enough, the UFC there's been leak at least there's been some yeah, rumors true. that their headliner between Darren Till and, um, Brunson. Darren Till yes, Derek Brunson is being. Looks like it's going to be moved from London back to to Vegas. So uh, October 1st at SSE Arena in London, we're going to get the rematch between Douglas Lima and Michael Venom Page. Obviously, Mm. the first time this fight took place, um, Lima was probably the elite of the elite. Yeah, in Bellator. Uh, Michael Venom Page was this, you know, hot new prospect, very exciting striker, dancing and, around. Um, yep, yeah, they had a fun fight, and Lima knocked him out. It was one of the yeah. craziest highlight reel knockouts Bellator's ever had. Yeah, um, since then, MVP has won five straight. Coming off that loss, um, some of it iffy competition. Yeah, while Douglas Lima just recently lost his belt is now on a two-fight losing streak right um so i guess the question here is dom is this an exciting headliner for you and should we expect this fight to go any different than the first one considering that these guys are in slightly different trajectories right now
1: uh i think it is still a great main event two of the biggest names that bellator has in terms of the fight i think it could go differently because like you mentioned Lima was really rising to his you know, prime level there um, in Bellator. And for MVP, he was still relatively new, newer at the time. But now he's in that groove, as you said. Yes, there's been some dips in competition from Lima, but still a five-fight win streak. He's finishing people. This could very well be a passing of the torch fight almost. This is the fight where if you're Bellator, you've been wanting MVP to break out, getting the title talks finally, this is the one to do it. Because if he comes in and beats Lima, he's more than likely going to be next for a belt. I think there is potential here for this to be uh reversed from their first go around.
0: Well, look, it's now or never for MVP. He's yep. thirty-four years old. Yep. Um, this guy's not, you know, a sprum he's not a sprum chicken or whatever the phrasing is anymore. <laughs> um Lima is still a very good welterweight here. He's not yep. gonna be some pushover. I mean, yes, he's on a two fight losing streak, but both one of them of those was were,
1: a weight class, yeah.
0: These are both title fights that he yeah. lost. His yeah. previous also to Amasov, who looked really good right now. Um, it's now or never for MVP, and I'm excited for this fight because the first one was fun and mm-hmm. um, there was some fun build up to that one. And there is the chance that maybe you know MVP is still kind of at his probably in his prime, I guess, physically. while – uh, Lima looks like he might be starting to drop off a little bit, mm-hmm. but man, I the competition that MVP was fighting for the most part after that Lima this fight is still was, a big jump. Was yeah. it's 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 still like you know, it's not as big of a jump as the first time he fought. Right. Like really, the first time I mean, it was earned him fighting yeah. Lima. I mean, he is he earned his sort of reputation, his hype. It's just now to have it again. It really does feel like. You know it's now or never. If he can't get over this Lima Hill, then he's just never, it's really never going to be in the cards for him to be anything more than just a very exciting striker that's kind of in this middle contenders of the welterweight division.
1: Yes, very well said.
0: October, uh, that was October 1st, excuse me, October 30th, the end of the month. UFC 267. I do want to, before I get into the fight itself, I want to Elaborate on some news we talked about on Monday as far as what UFC 267 is going to look like because we, and this will be kind of transition into our next one, but um, happening on October 30th, this card is, is going to be UFC 267, it, yeah. at least from what we know, but going to be airing on ESPN+. Plus, um, Not going to be on pay-per-view. So because of that, it'll be more of like your standard fight nights Yeah, Um, which is very interesting. And it's because we're going back to Abu Dhabi. So, very fun there. The fight that got announced, however, big heavyweight boys. Mm -hmm. You would like to think someone ain't making it out of the first round. Yeah. And that's because Walt Harris, the number 12 ranked heavyweight, looks to bounce back off of a three fight skid against the unranked, but very motivated tie. Tui Basa, the king of the shoeys is back.
1: Um, Let's go. The host yeah, of our uh, oh, sorry. He, by the way, just you know, the host of our MMA uh, Space Jam. By the way, if anybody yes. doesn't know, what Correct. we're talking about. You need to go see last week's episode. Anyways, <laughs> this fight should be fun. Walt Harris is a guy that is looking to bounce back after the skid. As you say, he's always in these barn burner fights where he's he's either going to finish you or he's going to get finished. It's going to be no different here, in my opinion. This is a good test for Ty to work his way back into the rankings after he you know, came in hot in the UFC, then went on a skid. Now he's hot again on a three-fight win streak um, off of a knockout over Greg Hardy on a main card. This is a big fight for both guys for two opposite directions because their stocks are going in two opposite directions. This is a very good fight to make. It makes plenty of sense. I'm excited for it. That's just another banger of a fight to add on to that really good card too. So.
0: I was really surprised that uh, a lot of the fans' reaction to this fight was um, that they felt Walt Harris is just being kind of thrown to the wolves. Um, you know, this is a guy who we so badly want to see him win. Yeah. Coming off of the very tragic, I guess that was 2019 and 2020 that he I had. So. Yeah. Um, in that time frame where he unfortunately lost his, uh, was it a stepdaughter? Stepdaughter, yeah. Um, very tragic And he was coming back from that, and he's been on that three-fight losing streak since coming back from that. So everybody just wants to see this guy win. And he's had
1: moments in all three of those fights, too. He has. I
0: mean, he started with Overeem, nearly finished Overeem in the first round. Yeah, The second round, Overeem comes back, and uh, Harris just kind of gassed out, and he just kind of beat him down in the second round. Um, His next fight after that was, uh, I don't think, was that um, his bout with uh, Volkov? I can't remember I, if that was the second. Uh, or third that's one. his
1: most recent loss, okay. I think. Well, his I most
0: think. recent loss coming to Alexander Volkov, who is just such a technical striker. The it was just a, it's a tough matchup for Walt Harris, and yeah. the body work Volkov showed in that fight was just really good. I mean Volkov. I mean, excuse me. Walt Harris was in the fight. He didn't get. I wouldn't call it. Say he got dominated. Yeah. But you know, he just it went the way that you would probably expect if you were gonna. You know, put any money on that fight.
1: Oh, sorry. I just remembered. It was Volkov then. The most recent one was Tibera. That's who it was. Because Tibera is riding yes. on a hot streak right now. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. that's right. And he almost that's-
1: knocked out Tibera.
0: Yeah. And then Tibera came back. That's yes, another yes. one. So Harris has had his moments, but has unfortunately not been able to finish the job. Now, in my opinion, while I understand why we all want to see Walt just, you just want to see the guy have a moment, have a, you know, be happy, whatever. But, I mean, truthfully, this is kind of a good fight to make for him. I mean, these are two guys that are going to stay on the feet. So, Walt is not going to necessarily have to worry about getting, you know, dragged to the ground or anything like that. Um, The biggest, I guess, um, advantage that Tui Vasa might have in this fight is his leg kicks. Uh, Walt Harris is not always – been the best at defending those but I mean this is a guy that's unranked yes I know he he's surging right now but if Walt Harris isn't going to be matched up with a guy like this who's really I mean sure you I guess you can give him a guy a little lower that's unranked like Chase Sherman or someone like that but what if Chase Sherman wins that fight do you really want Chase Sherman to be a top 15 ranked heavyweight right now I just I don't know I think people have to kind of Maybe that's me just putting more weight on the rankings than more people will, but um, I think it's a good fight. That's all I want to say. I mean, it's a a barn burner of a fight. It shouldn't go longer than probably the first or second round. Yeah. And very winnable for both guys because both guys are going to come in there with the power, looking to put each other out early, and it might become a cardio battle if both guys' chins hold up, and uh, that could be really interesting.
1: That's true. Yeah, I mean... I think I get where you were saying with where, you know, Walt's fighting a guy in Tuivasa who, yes, it's dangerous for him if he loses, yada, yada. But if you're Walt looking at the situ- situation too, yeah, maybe he could have fought, you know, number 13 through 15, one of those guys. But in terms of name value, if he can go out there and bounce back against Tai Tuivasa, who carries a bigger name than arguably anybody from the ten- number 10 onward or backward, I should say, in that division, this is still a huge win and would do more for Walt Harris's stock to beat Tai Tuivasa than like the number fifteen ranked heavyweight who I can't even name off the top of my head if that tells you anything. So in that aspect, I get where you were going. And I think it is it is a perfect matchmaking for both guys here.
0: I believe fourteen and fifteen are both the Sergeys. They're Sergey Spivak yes. and Sergey Pavlovich. Pavlovich, yes, yes. Um, and he but, hasn't fought
1: in two years. So
0: right, uh, my what I want to respond to that with is. What I'm saying, though, Dom, is not that I think Walt should be fighting a guy that's ranked. The fans were saying that they thought him fighting Tui Vasa is a tough matchup here, and that I mean, obviously, Tui Vasa has the power to put him out. But like, what do you really want Walt Harris to do here? He's a guy that's trying to stay competitive, stay ranked. Yes, you know, it's it's good that he's fighting an unranked fighter, in my opinion. I don't think he you know, on a three-fight losing streak, all mm-hmm. be a finish. I don't necessarily think he should be fighting one of these guys that are still ranked, but I don't really get that sentiment. Like, I understand we all want to see him win and go out on top or, I mean, just have a have a moment in the cage or whatever. Yeah. I, whatever you guys are kind of getting at, I I, I understand that. It's just, if he, at the end of the day, he's a fighter. He's going to fight. Yeah. This is the kind of matchups that are there at heavyweight, you know?
1: Yeah, that's how it rolls there. Mm -hmm.
0: The last one here, this is kind of what I was alluding to. UFC 267, as I said, happening October 30th. One week later, Hmm. on November 6th at Madison Square Garden, we get UFC 268 on pay-per-view. That's right, for the first time since, I want to say, 2012, I think is what what I heard. Uh, this is for the first time you're having back-to-back numbered, numbered events. events. Yes, in UFC, uh, for the first time since 2012, I believe. And the first fight announced for that card is its main event for the welterweight title. They run it back, Kamaru Kamaru Usman defending his welterweight title against Colby Covington. Dominic, we know that this is a very a great fight, a very fun fight. The first fight was one of the fights of the year for 2019. Yeah. But the question is, Dom, is this the rightful fight right now for Kamaru's welterweight title? And be honest with your your thoughts here.
1: <sighs> Probably just because of how the first fight went and you know Colby technically still is number one. I love Leon Edwards. And I know he's on this huge streak right now. But just those last two didn't help him as the problem. Like, I know, the win's a win, and obviously there was a no contest against Bilal. But, like, the, the UFC seems to love Colby anyway because of his draw and the attention that he brings to the cage. Match that with he did at least get a fight in but since he fought Kamaru and he dominated Tyron Woodley and finished Tyron Woodley at that. So, and then you look at – you know, to pair with how great their first fight was. This is one of Dana White's most favorite fights of all time, the first one between these two. So he said it since the beginning, really, ever since Colby beat Tyron, that this was going to be the fight to make. We knew it was going to be announced, so it was just a matter of time. We figured, you know, Leon wouldn't jump in line. So it, it is um, – it might be hard for me to say a little, but I just – this is the closest guy to Kamaru right now in this division – it was the closest fight of both of their careers. Let's run it back in Madison Square Garden. Do we get a tie, one apiece instead of a trilogy? Or does Kamaru get the second victory and go on to cement his legacy even further?
0: See, you admitting that has put you in a minority. Uh actually a lot of the opinion online from what I've been reading is that Leon Edwards is being sort of screwed here. Mm-hmm. And you know how I kind of feel about it. I, I I do think Leon Edwards is a great fighter. I think he's on a great winning streak. But, you know, winning streaks are great and all. And he, I know on his winning streak, I believe he's uh, fought guys like Vicente Luque. That was early, you know, into that winning yeah. streak. So both guys have came a long way since. Um, he beat Dos Anjos. Yeah, Gunnar Nelson, played, Cowboy. Gunnar Nelson, Cowboy Cerrone. And then most recently... He beat Nate Diaz, even though there was a very close call in that yeah, last yeah. minute, around five. Regardless, he did for 24 minutes dominate that fight. Yeah. Now, when you kind of compare that resume, I mean that's that's a good resume. You know, the Cowboy one at the time, Cowboy was still pretty competitive mm. at that time. That was kind of right before Dad Cerrone came in and had a really fun three fight winning streak. Yeah. Um, the Dos Anjos one is probably. Still the most impressive win on his resume. I mean, unless you think the Diaz one is, I, I don't I don't know if I would necessarily put that above it. Yeah. Um, and then you have that no contest with Bilal. Uh I guess what I'm getting at here is that sure the win streak's nice and he hasn't lost since he last fought Usman. Again, that's what is it, 10 fights he's won? It's a 10 uh, fight
1: unbeaten streak. A ten yeah.
0: fight unbeaten streak. While Colby has only fought once since yeah. his loss to Usman and he one against Tyron Woodley back in uh, August, uh, September 2020, but I guess in my opinion, like a win streak's nice. Don't get me wrong, but the level of competition isn't. I don't think the resume quite stacks up the way that people want to believe it does. Mm-hmm. Leon Edwards is. Don't get me wrong, a top five welterweight, probably a top three welterweight. Um, he's a very talented guy. I would like to see him get a chance, another chance at Usman. But in my opinion, Kobe Covington and Kamaru Usman had such a close first fight yep. that there is room for that to be ran back. And obviously it's going to sell more yep. than um, Leon and Usman running it back. So obviously the UFC sees that. Even though I don't even – I still don't think Kobe's is like some crazy draw. I think a lot of it would just be the first fight was so good people would mm-hmm. buy in. I mean I don't – Kobe's not like a he's not a at all he's not yeah. a, he's not a necessarily like that. Um my only problem with this and again this would be a problem for Leon Edwards too. Kamaru Usman since he last defended against Kobe Covington has fought 3 times.
1: He's a super active champ.
0: And yeah. Kobe's fought once. Yeah. Like in my opinion, none of these guys deserve a title shot.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Usman's <laughs> only gotten better. I, I said and, this a while ago. He finished Kobe in that fight, albeit it was close as nails. But he finished him in round five there, broke his jaw, rumored to be in the fight. And he's only gotten better. We well, haven't got to see his striking, as much. From
0: look at his striking yeah. right now and how far it's come since the first fight. Yes. You know, they 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 kind of canceled each other out with their wrestling, both being very workhorses yeah. on the mat. But in their striking, you had an interesting matchup the first time because neither guy was really a high-level striker, mm-hmm. but you had the output with Covington versus the power of Usman, and they had a really fun fight because of that. Obviously, Kamaru got the better of it in the end, and you can argue, I guess, what the rounds was going in. It doesn't matter. Usman won the fight, knocked him yeah. out in the fifth round. Yeah. Like KO'd him, whatever. He's only gotten better on the feet since then, and I just don't know if I can say the same for Colby Covey because really the one fight it was a good win. He looked dominant against Woodley, but that was the story of Woodley's run he was on at that yeah. time. It was, he was the third guy to dominate Woodley for five rounds. And yeah. Just To me at that point it lost its shine beating a guy like Woodley. Um, so I guess to me the question is not what kind of Kamaru Usman are we going to have come in here because we know he's going to be ready to go, super motivated. Yes. I mean Look at what he showed up and did against Mosby all the second time. He wanted to shut people up, and I think that this time he wants to shut up his opponent. So for Colby Covington, what kind of advancements, what kind of growth in your game have you made that, to be honest, I haven't really seen since his last loss for the title. And there's just right now, while this fight could end up being just as competitive, just as close as their first one, Mm -hmm. be honest with yourself if you're listening, if you're watching it, for Dom, be honest with yourself. Who has a better chance of, like, if this fight were to end in a domination, there's no chance you right now think Colby Covington is dominating this fight. Right. But there is a real chance Kamaru Usman comes in here and starches, beats the brakes off of Colby Covington.
1: That really is just how good Kamaru is and the evolution of his game that we've seen. and. On the other end of the stick, yeah, Colby fought Tyron, and that's it. So we just haven't seen him as much. But Usman's become the most active champion in the UFC right now, so it's going to be interesting. Um, the return to New York City for the UFC uh, in Madison Square Garden adds a little bit more you know, pizzazz to the whole situation as well. It's the biggest rematch the UFC can do right now. At the end of the day, I'm not surprised it happened. So,
0: mm, yeah, well said. That's going to end it for our fight announcements here. Um, we're going to transition into what a headline this is <laughs> Things that make us sad. Uh, this, Look, could, this could become
1: a segment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, people, um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, what, what I've started doing, get in a groove of doing kind of before these, since we started doing previews and recaps, you know, for trying to change our format a little bit. Throughout the week, as stuff comes up, big news stories or whatever, I try to add it in before, and then just like kind of adjust as more news comes out. You know, sometimes I might drop something out because it ends up really not being that impactful Mm -hmm. compared to some other stuff. You know, things like that. And there was three things that all kind of came out this week that made us sad. I, you know, I (laughs) I didn't want to give any of them their own headline, but I was like, okay, none of these really fit together except for the fact that every one of them makes me depressed. You just made it a bundle, bundle patches. Just a a bundle of depression right here. (laughs) Yes. So let's Uh, start with the probably the most egregious. Let's get this over with. Come on. Look, we've been trying so hard to just not talk about Conor McGregor on this show. and he, he keeps, keeps himself relevant. He's, that man ain't got nothing to do at home on that one leg. <laughs> on he's riding. Scooter. He's riding around on his scooter and he's tweeting.
1: And proper twelve you know, in one hand, up, in the phone in the other hand.
0: You know that proper twelve is popping because oh, like yeah. that guy's been saying. Now let me start with a little lighthearted fun here, because again, this category just makes me sad, and I just I don't want to talk about any of it. But Dominic, uh, as a former magician yourself. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I'm gonna make this is gonna be a really bad joke, but Conor McGregor's Twitter is like a magic trick because literally as soon as you go to look for the tweet,
1: poof, it's gone.
0: It disappears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: That's your thing back when you
1: were. Uh, I used to be able to make a salt shaker disappear from the dinner table. Yeah, <laughs> I pull yes. it out one time on the show. <laughs> I- Please do. We'll save uh, that for an after dark episode. <laughs> that would
0: be great. So, Conor McGregor has been very active on Twitter. We've talked about it a couple times before this. Yeah, but it's it's getting worse um, out of hand. You know, each time we've talked about him, Dom, since his loss to Dustin Poirier, we've been very nice. I think is the word I would like to describe. Like we've we probably could have been more critical, but you know for one reason or another, whether it's because we kind of like Conor McGregor and we we remember how much we bought into his rise in the UFC and we respect what he's done for the sport. Yeah. But maybe we were like, you know what, we could hit him harder on this, but – We'll hold off. We'll hold off. But, dude, it's getting hard. And I'm going to yeah. start with the first tweet that's not as bad. It's just um, kind of they were tweeted within the same time frame. Um, He said, jumping a guillotine is not a takedown. Absorbing the kick into the leg is not a check. A doctor stoppage is not a TKO. It's not technically true, but whatever. (laughs) The game goes on, bitches. (laughs) Piss ants, to me, yous all are. Yeah. Not not even peasants. Piss ants.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: (laughs) Get to your stationed vlogger cameras, you novice bums. Hashtag nobodies. Feels like an unnecessary shot at the below average Joes there. At, the at end, this but... point,
1: we're at least four shots deep into the proper 12. <laughs> <laughs> <Gotta>
0: <laughs> <be>. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, that one I think is kind of fun. I'm just like, okay. That's gotta, like you know, a
1: normal Connor thing, that, To me, that's you know? funny. You know, yeah, yeah.
0: And I put that on here because um, this next one's really not. No. So, as you all know, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, well, if you don't know, I guess I'll tell you, he lost his father and. At some point Last in twenty twenty, yeah. um, and it was due to complications from COVID nineteen at the time. Connor posted a very respectful mm-hmm. uh, message, which, in hindsight, was it really him that even tweeted it? I don't know, mm-hmm. but you know, he did tweet something that was very nice for uh, Abdul. Manab a bitter, Ali.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, then when uh, Dustin Poirier beat Connor, Habib. Tweeted at Dustin, and um, the the one note in there, the the one thing that was noteworthy for this story is that Habib said that uh, good always defeats evil, mm-hmm. implying Dustin was the good and yeah. Connor was the evil. So Connor tweets just doesn't say anything about it at the time, but then yeah, this is
1: that's what made it worse. We're two weeks removed yeah, from it. I mean, it's only been two weeks. It felt like
0: longer, man. Yeah. Like, wow. Connor tweets, "Covid is good, and bother is evil." Look, guys, can we all have like a serious talk here for a second? I don't even think the hard, the most hardcore of Connor fans are necessarily celebrating.
1: Can you defend it? You yeah,
0: know? like I get people. Even his most hardcore fans were probably still defending a lot of the Dustin Poirier. Tweets that we thought might be crossing the line, saying, "Well, it's all for fight promotion or Mm -hmm. whatever." Come on, guys. Let's be honest. While I just this isn't this isn't fun, you know, fight promotion. Yes, it can get very heated and get Mm -hmm. personal, but it's at the end of the day, the whole point is that we're all enjoying the build up and the hype and whatnot. This is just gross. It's it's. I mean, someone's life. This is I mean you're you're really kind of talking shit to a guy about his father dying. I mean that's it's kind of a low blow. Mm-hmm. This feels very similar to when the the pre-fight press conference that Connor had with him. Mm, just ugly. And we thought Nasty. that we had we thought we had you know had seen a different side of him when the Cowboy Cerrone fight in the second Poirier fight, he seems so much more humble and respectful. Mm-hmm. And then now it makes me wonder, was all that just kind of smoke and mirrors? And that is, really, is, it, is he really this bitter, this just mean, like all the time? Mm-hmm. But I guess if I have to pose a question here, Dominic, for you, because I don't want to talk about this too long, but just wanted to bring it up because this has been brought up a few times on Twitter, should – and let's try – you know, I'm I'm setting you up a little bit here by saying, like, I kind of know where our answers are going to be. So should the UFC at some point be stepping in here and being like, Uh. look, this is too far? Or at the end of the day are these grown men and – what they say, they say, and they just have to kind of face the, the court of public opinion on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the latter. And just, you know, the UFC's been huge on, like, um, you know, the freedom of speech for their fighters and support your politics, your religion, whatever you want to do, do you. And the UFC's really different in that aspect as compared to other sports leagues where they allow their fighters to be very independent, do what they want to do, um, and not for the sake of the company, per se. Mm. So, I mean, I guess they can't really do anything about it. But we have even heard from the boss man himself, Dana White, said that, you know, he's not big on this stuff. And that was about some of the things he was saying about Dustin's wife, not even this here. So right. as much as I wish they could, I just don't know if they can. Like you said, they're grown men. It's their social medias, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, yeah, this was just very poor taste. I mean, I told you this off recording. Um our friend sent that to us because I hadn't seen it yet on Twitter. I had just laid down to go to bed, too. It was like 1 in the morning. And I read that tweet, and I literally – so right here on this wall is a picture of Conor when he won the two belts uh, in New York because there's a simultaneous champion. The first time ever. It was historical. And so I'm not even like the – I was never the biggest Conor McGregor fan. Like, he's not who brought me into the sport or anything. I had been watching for years previous. But he made history – was, it was a spectacle to watch, yeah. um, and it was just something that was so special. So I got that picture as a present from my dad and stuff, yada, yada, yada. So it's hanging there, piece of history for the UFC and MMA. And I literally almost got out of bed and took it off the wall. And I'm still debating what I should do because that just – I really, really didn't like this tweet. I think it's very poor taste. And to, the fact that you did this like 17 days after your fight with Dustin – just out of, like, staying relevant, I guess. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed him just riding around on a scooter talking. Like, <laughs> do that on your Instagram. Like, that was kind of funny. But this, man, I just, Habib's retired. The fight's not even in the realm of happening. And you do something like this, it was just very ugly, very nasty. I think Connor continues day by day outside of the scooter video. But even in that, he said things about making excuses for the fight. But day by day just is hindering... His legacy, his fan base, his aura—it's just draining. I mm-hmm. like. I we know we weren't as excited for the trilogy with Dustin when it first got announced, but as it got closer, you're like, okay, it's Conor McGregor fight week. You feel it. And yes, it would still be big if Conor returns and fights. I understand that, but to me personally, I'm not gonna feel that same. Ooh, it's a Conor McGregor fight week. That aura, I've. Honestly, almost 100 percent lost it, and uh, this in, just in a lot of ways,
0: I, I feel the opposite. I, I feel almost like I'm going to be dreading it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Does it benefit us for Conor McGregor fights? Of course. You always have those, you know, boost in our views, and um, Conor McGregor brings a lot of eyes to the sport. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. He's the biggest star the sport has ever seen. No question. Yeah, but. Honestly, like if this is where the road we're going down, if this is kind of the the, what's gonna be the norm in his future belt. It's
1: like to me
0: I'm just it's just gonna be more of what I'm doing right now. We're talking very somber. We don't wanna do that. Yeah. Like I don't I don't wanna have to deal with getting on Twitter or Instagram and seeing, you know, his rev you know, a fan base that is very passionate in his fan base, but being sort of Convinced that this is like okay or normal. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's for fight promotion. Uh oh, guys, it's this is you know, I'm not mm. saying and I and I definitely agree with you. There's no fight to really even promote agree. here with yeah. that tweet, you know? Like <laughs> I yes, I know. And yeah. like, come on, is this really gonna give him a better chance of fighting Habib? No, no, it might have a better chance of him fighting Habib on the on the street, yeah. In alley, but I don't think it's gonna be there's a chance Habib. I think the more Connor does stuff like this, Habib knows that it bothers him so much he yeah. won't give him that rematch that he just he holds that over him and he yeah, should. So, yeah. Because there's no reason for him to come back. Regardless, this is just gross. I hope everybody is I hope we're all on the same page. Even I understand, even if you're still a big Connor McGregor fan, like, I don't expect I understand how hard it is <laughs> for someone to like that you really look up to and support to kind of fuck up. Yeah, and that you still want to support them, but it's just like okay, let's maybe not do that again. Yeah. So I'm not telling you know I'm not judging anybody for yeah. still being a fan of the guy or anything like that. Um, I still find myself conflicted because I still want to be, you know, just as supportive of him as a Dustin or a Habib. But it's stuff like this makes it really hard. He makes it
1: hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, I think he needs a long look in the mirror. I mean, that's my. That's my professional advice as a 23 year old alcoholic that um, is still in college. Um, That's my professional advice. So now
1: we're just going down a personal rabbit hole here. (laughs) Things that make us sad. This is awful. (laughs) We never need to do this again.
0: So the second one, man.
1: Oh my god. I I I just say the headline and we can move on if you want. I mean.
0: So um, Chuck Liddell, the Ice uh, Man, has teased. Interest in bare knuckle fighting no. being quoted as saying, if they're interested, come and talk to me. Now <clears throat> we haven't talked much about bare knuckle FC on here, and a lot of that's because it's not MMA. I mean it's yeah. just different. I mean, it's I get it, it's in that boxing combat sports, you know, yeah. realm, but it's just not what it's not mma so it's not really our thing yeah however at first i'll be honest when it came to bare knuckle i was kind of like no nope, not <laughs> not my thing not something i ever care to watch didn't really like it didn't yeah. and in, in some ways i'm still that, that I, I was gonna like say i am that way still I, I, I still don't like it still just kind of pains me watching how brutalized these people get because yeah. there's no protection on their hands yeah. and ultimately that also hurts their face even more yeah. um, however bare knuckle FC has been doing a good job I can't admit that mm-hmm. um, in their sort of in more their their bigger bouts I guess you know they just had a big card last weekend headlined by Rachel Ostovich and Paige Van Zandt and the blue yeah. face the rapper yeah, yeah. boxing on the card I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> um, it was very well received because they kind of just embrace sort of the the hardcore stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, they just sort of embrace kind of how crazy it all is. Yeah, um, they're I heard the way it was described, and I think this is pretty accurate. Is it's it's kind of the it's kind of for people that sort of that love MMA and love pro wrestling and want to see it mixed together, it's kind of your thing right there. Yeah. Because it has a lot of those pro wrestling elements to potentially fake, uh, like post-fight brawls and stuff like that. And a lot of the trash talk feels very pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you get your mic time and then that person gets their mic time, you know. But at the end of the day, they are for real (laughs) punching each other in the face. So I think they've done a pretty good job of at least – creating a niche for themselves. Yes, that's a good way and, to put um, it. Even if it's not something me or you are interested in, I can respect them for at least kind of carving their way yeah. here. With that being said, is a over 50-year-old Chuck Liddell someone that you could actually see Dominic making some sort of – would Bare Knuckle, who, <laughs> yes, I know that they're you know, a bit – they're not necessarily um, – I don't know if Respected is the right name for their organization, but they're – again, they're they're doing good things. Would they really steep to this point of bringing a guy out of retirement who has no business fighting in any form or fashion?
1: I would surely hope not. I mean, I go – they go after some of the retired MMA guys or some of the older ones. Um but this There's just, a
0: big difference from Chuck Liddell to Hector. Yeah, Liddell, I
1: mean, so. Chuck Liddell has been retired forever outside of the random trilogy fight with Tito that didn't need to happen. I mean, if that gives you any reason not to sign Chuck Liddell right there, just go watch that fight that happened in 2016. So um, this is something that does not need to happen. Chuck obviously is nowhere near his fighting prime anymore. We realize that. He's in his 50s. He's a legend of the sport. He doesn't need to go take bare knuckles to the face um, and further damage You know, a guy that's already been beaten and knocked out so many times before. This is something that is uh, ugly, doesn't need to happen. I hope Chuck's not, you know, struggling for money or anything. Maybe he's just doing this to serve the pot, get himself his name out there a little bit. Um, I just, yeah, I wouldn't like this at all. Um, I think he's
0: just a fighter at heart, man.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's one of the toughest sons of bitches that's ever set foot in a cage, ring, anywhere.
0: I'll always support that guy for everything he's done for UFC and MMA as a whole, but my god man I'm this just, does
1: not need to happen
0: this is this is just to me this this feels like a like a you know um like if you have that dog that you grew up with that was just like a like a pet or I should say a pet yeah. that you really cared about and you know had been with you since you were a little kid and then it's at the point where the dog is really on its last leg you know it's like and old yeller just, yeah and you're just like you're watching it and the dog so badly wants to just like do something that it did when it was young, but it can't anymore. And you yeah. just are like, please, please don't. It's just like it makes you want to cry a little bit. This is yeah. how I feel about it, man. Yeah. Just uh, last one. Oh. Almost through this category. We have to go do
1: fights after this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: we have to try to turn this show around after this. <laughs> Chris Weidman. This sucks. We last saw at UFC 261 in a bout with Uriah Hall where. 18 seconds into the fight, Weidman throws a very heavy leg kick. Ryhall checks it. Chris Weidman's leg snaps in half. And to the horror of everybody in attendance and to all of us watching in my living room and (laughs) your living room as well. So, obviously, coming off an injury that severe, you expect a very long recovery process. And um, that's been the case. I mean... Chris has definitely been taking his recovery very seriously. But unfortunately, he's had a setback Mm -hmm. in that broken leg recovery. And because of that, it will require another surgery. Now, I want to give my perspective in that I felt very uneasy about Weidman's whole recovery here since it started. Um, I think it was like two weeks after. This injury happened. He put footage of him walking on some sort of treadmill or something. Which at the time, I won't lie and say I didn't look at it and go, "That's inspirational, yeah. that inspiring." Um, but in hindsight, now I look back on, it, I'm like, okay, maybe he shouldn't have done that. And then, what's even the part that really kind of I didn't like it at the time was about a month after this injury, he was shown to be sparring at the gym. Yeah. And I was like, man, if he if he really can do that, like that just shows the the guts, the heart of mm-hmm. that guy, and, and what an athlete he is. But I still felt uneasy about it. And now that this has been uncovered, that there is a setback, and he's gonna have to have another surgery. Dominic, what makes me so sad is that Weidman from day one has been his whole entire focus isn't necessarily in recovering his leg to the point where he can just do normal things, normal everyday task in a in the way that you should be able to um not about his long-term health necessarily it's all been focused on getting back in the octagon yeah and i'm curious from your perspective do you think that this setback should maybe could maybe straighten his focus to just getting healthy yeah. or you know Yeah, just go ahead and give your thoughts. Just, you know,
1: recovery should come first, and I don't hate that the guy was trying to get back in there and train hard and stuff. I get it. It was awful. He felt like he was really making a turn in his career going into that Uriah Hall fight. So um, I get the aspect of him wanting to get in quick, but, man, especially now after this setback, and hopefully it's nothing too bad, but obviously it does require a surgery, which is bad enough. So focus 100% on recovery first and foremost, man. I mean, this guy's already – hall of fame resume as is a former champion, multiple title defenses done a lot of things for the sport, a great ambassador for the sport. So just, you know, take your time, recover. I know he's in his later thirties, so he doesn't have like prime years left, but should he recover fully? I don't doubt at all that we could see him fight, you know, at least one more time for sure in the UFC, but you know, that can't happen at all. If your recovery doesn't go well. So man, shout out to Chris Weidman tough as they come, the all American, um, chill out, relax, get this surgery taken care of, and hopefully maybe at the end of next year or middle of next year, depending on recovery, maybe we'll see the return of Chris Wyden.
0: Well said. Last bit of news here. A lot of news on today's episode. we we? We're talking about one of our favorite guys. This guy. Mr. Steve. <sighs> you pointed it over. I, in I, I, live. I
1: don't have the pointing down. <laughs> it's all flipped. Go ahead.
0: Uh, Stepe Miocic. Is yes. uh, speaking out probably the first time we've really heard from him since he kind of he put a statement out there after his loss at UFC 260 to Francis Ngannou, just kind of saying he would be back. And then we heard that he was looking to put on about 15 pounds. Yeah, um, so it looked like he was for sure in his in his mind serious about like look coming I'm, back. I'm coming back for that belt. Yeah. Well, now we're getting some interesting comments from him on his Instagram. Um, there was a post made by one FC. Uh, the their, That promotion posted uh, something about basically what fighter they should sign next. Yeah. And Stipe comments huh. with a bunch of thanking emojis. Just, yeah. Hmm. And uh, then after that, I'm going to pull up. Sort of saying. elaborated. I I, 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 it, it looks like this was in response to something that someone said to him, but, uh, basically what his response to this person was, was I shouldn't have to wait for a winner. Yeah. I have the most heavyweight title defenses of all time. Me, we're as in him and, and Ganu, one and one. Yeah. But DC got instant rematches and trilogies against me. So an interesting perspective. And I, and I, and I get it. But my question for you here, Dominic, to kind of start us off is first off, do you sort of agree with his point of view? Do you do you do you feel like you understand where he's coming from? And then I guess after that, you know, if if you know, depending on how you answer that, what I guess would you do if you were in Dana White's shoes and you had the power to kind of pick and choose who goes where? Um, give me your thoughts kind of because this heavyweight picture is Kind of nicely, I mean, it's in a bit of mess because you have that interim title being introduced, but at least there's clear kind of, you got the clear champion, you got a clear interim title fight. There's at least some sort of clarity at the top
1: of the heap. So, how would
0: you move that around? I guess, depending on your answer to. Uh, Stipe here.
1: So number one, I can't see Stipe in one championship. That would be I, I just can't see it for a multitude of reasons. I don't really want to get into it. I just can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say him and Dana have never been the best of friends. Um, so I'm sure Dana didn't like seeing this tweet. But also just like a week or two ago, Dana was interviewing with someone talking about the interim fight. And he basically said yeah, so Gon and Lewis are going to fight. Winner of that fights, um in ganu And then Stipe will just fight the winner of that one. So he kind of already has the title fight made. He would just have to wait quite some time. So maybe that's the part that angers him more having to wait for this interim to play out, then wait one more. I mean, we could be talking a whole another year, for all we know, until we see Stipe fight again. So I get his sentiment about winning the trilogy. Um, I don't disagree that that's the fight that he should want to wait out and get, is the fight with Nganu. It makes sense. Um, he's the winningest champion of all time a heavyweight, the heavyweight GOAT. Um, unanimously so I understand his frustration um, and I mean I still think I'm just going to be honest this is random kind of unrelated to what we're specifically talking about but I still think a fight with him and John Jones would be absolutely massive to welcome John to heavyweight and just for Stipe I mean that's arguably almost a bigger fight than you fighting uh, Francis for the belt again a third time anyway so uh, either way I know where he's coming from. It's just pure frustration. I get that. Um, do we see Stepe fight again? Maybe, maybe not. Do we see him go to one? I highly doubt it. Did Dana like this tweet? Absolutely not. But Dana really doesn't care because he's got his plans set for heavyweight anyway. It's just a bunch of heavyweight drama. We say that a lot on here. The heavyweights keep it interesting uh, lately. So we'll see what happens, man. I, of course, love Stepe. So ride or die with him no matter what comes next. What what do you think? I'm kind of curious.
0: So I I understand. when I'm saying I understand is, like, I get from his perspective what he's getting at here, you know, with him and Daniel Cormier's trilogy. Yeah. And, like, you know, I I get where where his frustration lies. But I'm not going to agree with him here. My goat. I'm not going to agree with him here only because – I think it's a. I don't like immediate rematches, anyways. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I get it why the UFC does it, but it never seems to work out well for the guy on the losing end of the first one. Yeah. Um, Or I guess second. second, It's an immediate trilogy, whatever. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you have these guys run it back immediately, it just doesn't ever really seem to go any different um, because you just have, there's not a lot of time to
1: make the adjustments. Yeah.
0: I mean, you you, not only do you make those adjustments in training, you, if you take a fight with someone else, you're getting better. You're making improvements to your game. Things like that. It just, I I don't like the concept of these immediate rematches unless there's like an, an egregious reason for a fight to be run back. That's one thing. But in terms of like, when Stipe lost the belt to Daniel Cormier, at the time, I was definitely a bit vocal in that he should get an immediate rematch. I'll admit it. I was definitely being, you know, a homer. Yeah, I was definitely, you know, be rooting for my guy. I was like, I, he deserves it. Most title defenses, yada yada yada. He did get it not before some weird Brock Lesnar in the cage, DC, I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Mike in the camera. Yes. Breaking Joe Rogan's hand, all that jazz. Um, (laughs) After we get past that, we do get to see the rematch immediately. And Steve Bay wins, come from behind victory. And then they run it back a third time about a year later. And Steve Bay wins the trilogy. So like, it's awesome. You know, that's a great trilogy, but Overall, I just I don't like – like I think, truthfully, if I can now be honest and remove myself from my fandom, I can say that uh, even if you have a long-reigning champion, I don't think immediate rematches are the way to go. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't think it really does the guy who lost like, – when Anderson Silva lost to Chris Weidman, I don't think you should have ran that fight back immediately. I get why you do because I'm sure Silva would have been pissed if yeah. after his seven year reign, yeah, he had to go win another fight to earn another shot, but and I know that the second fight, you know, he his leg broke in half, so like there's a asterisk there. But let's say it didn't, and he just lost again, that would have really just hurt him more in the long run than if right he had fought a guy like I don't know fought Belfort again or Machida or something. And then if he won that, then he fought Weidman again. Yeah. And then maybe he wins or maybe he loses again. Who knows? It's just immediate rematches just usually harm the guy who probably is the most vocal about wanting it. Right. And, and, uh, you know, so I'm really not even going to dig too much into the whole DC argument versus Nganu argument. I mean, Ngannou was kind of, you know, I just look at this from an outside perspective and like, if I and Gatu should have been fighting for the belt well before UFC 260, yes, very true. But he had to wait for the trilogy to be finished with a Stipe and DC. So, I mean, yeah. there, nobody gets a perfect, I guess, gift wrapped mm-hmm. present of a title fight, usually. I mean, Stipe is very lucky he got that second DC fight, you know, that was not really intended to be for him, that was intended to be Lesnar. And Lesnar just kind of went back to WWE. So I, I think part of the frustration here is just his relationship with the UFC and Dana White's just yeah. never been the strongest. And he's always kind of felt slighted, like the company didn't really buy into him, didn't really want him to be champion. Right. I even saw, I believe, when he beat Francis Ngannou, he took the belt from Dana and had his coach wrap it around his waist. Yeah. So things like that show that, like, okay, I think the one FC is just kind of him. Benton a little bit. I don't really mm-hmm. think it's I uh, I wouldn't put too much on it. But you know, you, you never really know if his, if he, if he is vocal enough. If let's say he took another fight um, with the John Jones or Yeah, Ganu, Lewis McGann, whoever, and lost, maybe the UFC does just say, well, he's he's old now. We'll cut our losses. You know, we can they, have him yeah. however they want to spin it. And maybe he still feels like he can fight. And I'm sure he would go over to one FC. And I would. <laughs> I would say he'd probably be the best heavyweight there, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. This it's it's like I, I I I like that Stipe is you know he has that there's it feels like there's a fire lit under him right now, but yeah. At the same time, he does it almost comes off a little whiny to me. Like it just mm-hmm. it's weird. It's un, it's unfamiliar territory for me. With yeah, Stipe. And, I see. It. Uh, you know, I guess if I had to answer my own question from earlier. I guarantee Stipe had no interest in an interim title fight. So, for anybody who proposes the question of, like, well, why didn't he, why wasn't he put into the fight instead of gone or Lewis? Mm -hmm. I guarantee he had no interest in that fight. Yeah. So, I think you're right. Like, a fight with John Jones would be a very nice kind of. Yeah. But maybe he looks at that and goes, no, there's not a belt on the line. It doesn't interest me. True. True. At the end of the day, Stipe is a firefighter. He's a dad. He likes to grill. And that's He's fun. a podcaster
1: like us now. To- yes, he is. <laughs> and he's a fighter
0: like fifth. That's yes. Yes. So uh, any final thoughts on that one? I kind of went on for a while there. So, I guess we have just a couple of fights to talk about now. <laughs> yeah. Good about thing there's hour- not
1: like a bunch of stacked cards. <laughs>
0: about an hour into the episode, we're hitting our fights, baby. Yeah. Yes. We start with Friday night, Bellator 263. I'm sure for some of you listeners or viewers, you guys, whenever we're not talking about UFC, it probably is a little bit like, okay, let's skip to the UFC fights just because those are probably the ones you know most about. But don't skip this one because this ain't your average Bellator card, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, no. Because it's headlined by not even the biggest fight in Bellator history, potentially. In some ways, that feels like it has to be earned in the in the cage to right? me. Yeah. Yeah, But on paper, it has the makings of the biggest fight in Bellator history. But also that, it's one of the biggest fights, in my opinion, of the year.
1: Yes, across across all organizations.
0: Yes, agreed. And that is the finals of our featherweight Grand Prix for the Bellator featherweight title. It's Patricio Pitbull defending against A.J. McKee. What I love about this fight is that you know, typically when you have these high-profile matchups where it's like past versus uh, future, yeah, a lot of times the past is like over the hill, and the future is pretty much already the present. Just right. It, think of like Anderson Silva when he fought out of Yes, like was it a great fight, a great moment when it was like a passing of the torch? Yes, but that's it. it doesn't it? To me, that's that's not like the torch. In some ways, was already you knew going in.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There was only one way this was going to go. Yeah. But here, what's so interesting is that you have Patricio Pipple, who I believe debuted at Bellator 15. So he is the past. He is he is Bellator in some sense in there, early to today. Yeah. And then you got AJ McKee, who's 18 and 0 and hasn't been around for too long in Bellator, but he is the future. You know, he, he has a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah. But in, it feels like they are just deadlocked on the present. And that's what's so interesting is that you have two guys that have just as much of a chance in, in, in terms of, like, going into the fight of winning. And this fight, in because I just said that, this is my thought here, this fight, in a lot of ways, determines who is the face of Bellator. Who is the face that runs the place yeah. moving forward? Because Pitbull still got a career ahead of him, too. And um, But this is his toughest matchup to date in AJ yes. McKee. 18-0, like it just said. And I'm so excited for this fight for that reason. Dominic, give me your thoughts here. I know you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is two guys in their athletic fighting prime, clashing the Battle of Bellator. Fans are going to be back in the arena in California for this fight. This is one of Bellator's biggest fights of all time, as I already mentioned, if not the biggest, uh, to the best talents in the organization, to the best talents in all of 145 pounds across the board right now. You know, So if I'm Alex volkanovsky I'm, I'm even taking a little tickle into this one. I'm interested in this fight, so... Uh, This is an incredible fight. Two guys that have been there and done that. Pitbull, like you said, really been a guy through and through with Bellator all the way, kind of like a Michael Chandler where their whole career essentially goes through Bellator. He's their all-time leading uh, in wins or he's tied with Chandler something like that. 32 and four, he finishes fights like crazy. He hasn't lost in five years. He's won seven in a row, but AJ McKee finishes nearly everyone he fights. He had that crazy submission last year. I don't even know what the hell it was called. It was a His leg was up here and one arm was under here. I don't know. It was wild. (laughs) But uh, he finishes fights. He's undefeated, as Noah mentioned, in his prime, coming for his first shot at becoming a major champion in a major um, mixed martial arts organization. This fight is fireworks. I think it could be not only one of the biggest fights on paper of the year, but if they go in there and go to war, this could be one of the fights of the year come the Joeys in December, Noah.
0: What I think not enough people are talking about, is you know, Patricio has had a really great run here, and because of that, because of his past accomplishments, and ultimately, he is a champ. Champ. He is, you know, he is yeah. here, He yeah. is. He is the man. I mean, right now, he's the man. Because of that, if McKee comes in here and wins this fight, and let's say it's really close or just really competitive, I mean, we're we're putting a lot of stock on this fight, but they might run this back immediately.
1: Oh, Bellator would love to fancy a big rematch. I <laughs> and imagine. if
0: they run it back immediately, it could be just as competitive if not yeah. you swing the other way a second time. And then you're talking trilogy, Yes, maybe, in sagas. <laughs> I'm only going to, I'm just going to say on a previous Reddit roundtable, which you can check out our playlist for that on YouTube, Um I did say that if I had to predict yeah, two true. fighters to have a trilogy who have not fought yet, I did say those two would be up there um, i did kind of steal that from luke thomas but whatever no, no, you guys don't you guys obviously don't listen to that right yeah yeah um, however this fight you know it's i think bellator couldn't have had this gone any better in the build-up no you know you have the grand prix where you put them on opposite sides and we know time and time again uh-huh. when you do that something goes wrong When the UFC tried to do it in the early days, when they put Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock on opposite sides of the bracket, they failed to meet in the finals. Yeah, And then you even look at when the UFC did a tournament for the inaugural flyweight title, and somehow the scorecards were (laughs) properly added. (laughs) Come on, man. What's going on? It's just like when the guys knocked over the ice bucket and they couldn't clean up the ice. Oh The same people that did that were the same ones that – tally the judges' scorecards. Now you're bringing uh, Joe
1: Rogan into this. That's his,
0: <laughs> so, what I'm getting at is that tournaments seem to, if, it, if 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 Pride's not doing them, it seems like they always something always goes wrong. Yeah. But in this case, it's worked out perfectly. The two guys that you thought would be the best ended up meeting here in the finals. Now all this fight has to do is live up in the cage, and that's a tall it's hard task. To do, but yeah. Um, both their fighting styles, though, very exciting, high finishing rates. I think we're in for at least a very fun fight. I don't know. I, I try to you know, hold back a little bit. I've said this before. So, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I think it'll be fun for uh, as long as it lasts with fans there. I think they're going to be going nuts for this mm-hmm. one, which always adds a little something. But I could see it being very conclusive by the end, who wins.
1: Yeah. I, Either side,
0: I, I pulled a Babe Ruth with calling my shot on that one with TJ and Corey, and that didn't really work out. <laughs> True, that fight <laughs> yeah. was anything but yeah. uh, decisive in the end. And uh, but I'm going to do it again. I'm calling Why my not shot. Do it. I'm pointing, I'm pointing to the the bleachers, and I'm saying this fight, I would, I would not be surprised if it's very decisive and it's Victor. But I still think very fun nonetheless.
1: Oh, 100 percent, man! I can't wait to tune in. It's Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, if you ain't paying attention, it's at nine p.m. Eastern Standard. Ooh, we got one get more your, Bellator fight. Well, get
0: your Showtime subscription if you if you guys don't have it. Yeah, you know, I I just recently on my movie bench got a Showtime subscription. If you are a student, guess what? You get <laughs> is this sponsored? <laughs> you get Spotify, Hulu, and Showtime. I believe for five bucks a month. It's a
1: good deal that's that's a pretty I mean, this, good hey deal. this is the subscription guy here if anyone's telling you how to do it it's noah right here so and
0: i'm pretty sure you can also just get a free month to showtime so if you just want to watch this card this is you, the month to do it yeah this is the month to do it Um, but you're right the coming main this card is really good but it was affected by the yeah. fact that we did lose our original co-main event in the bantamweight division magomed magomedov raphae on stotts that's unfortunate. thought it was going to be awesome, yeah. But this could mean a bit that we have here instead. Actually, very fun in its own right, and also another featherweight fight, which kind of adds some intrigue to me. Yeah. Because you could potentially be looking at the winner of this, maybe kind of putting her name in the hat for uh, next, next title challenger. Number eight, Mads Burnell, going up against number two, Emmanuel Sanchez. Sanchez was in the uh, Grand Prix. Um why am I forgetting
1: Well he lost to pitbull.
0: Yes. I I couldn't remember which guy he lost to. But yeah. Yes. He did lose the Patricio pitbull very decisive fashion. Um guillotine choke 3 minutes 35 seconds round number 1. Mads Burnell was not in the Grand Prix. He is kind of uh newer to Bellator's rankings. I believe he's 2 and 0 in Bellator coming in here.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: Comes in with a lot of pedigree. The guy was a uh, cage warriors champion before had a really nice run there. Actually fought in the UFC for a, for a cup of coffee, went one and two in the UFC, but those two losses came against Arnold Allen and uh, Michelle Prezeras, the guy who uh, fought Shavrat or Shavat Rachmanov Mm. a couple weeks ago. So tough guys there. But uh, he's been on a great run since. Since that loss to Arnold Allen, he's won six fights straight. Both of these guys are exceptional when it comes to their submissions. Mm -hmm. They're both black belts in jiu-jitsu. So even though you have number two versus number eight, I mean, both in their athletic primes, Burnell, 27, Sanchez, 30 years old in here. This fight feels very just – it could go either way. Close on paper, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think leads uh, to a lot
0: of fun. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a good stylistic clash. And again, there could be title talks on the line, potentially. I mean, what if you know, number eight rate Mads Burnell comes out and absolutely, absolutely sorry, starches Emmanuel Sanchez, the number two guy. Maybe he does just knock on the door of a title shot. He would be three and in the Bellator in the Bellator <laughs> in Bellator at that point. Um, it's a guy that, like you said, was a cage warriors champion. He's been in the UFC. He's got tons of Good experience, so don't let the young 27-year-old you know, throw you off. He's got great experience. This could be a fun fight. If it's two really good submission aces, like Noah said, maybe we get a stand-up war. We know that Sanchez got knocked out by Pitbull, so who's going to have the upper hand and this one on the feet? This is a fun fight for uh, new eyes for Bellator because they're going to have them this weekend because of the main event um, to really get a taste of some of these younger, ranked fighters that are in Bellator because as compared to the UFC, when you look at like, you know, obviously your top five and your title contenders, but then even the ranked people from like five to fifteen, they're still decently known fighters. So yeah. for Bellator to get guys like this in a co-main slot for new eyes to see, uh, get a gauge of some of the talent that they have throughout these divisions, it's a good sign for both of these gentlemen.
0: Agreed. Yeah, this this is a great card. I, I really highly encourage people to go out of your way for this one. Uh, hopefully it lives up once these actually once these guys actually step into the cage. God, I really wish we could have got uh yeah thoughts and Maka all, though. But that's it for Bellator two sixty three Saturday night, UFC Vegas
1: 33. three yes. thirty three. They're we're really racking them up, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so number eight Uriah Hall takes on number eleven Sean Strickland in the main event, and I'm you know I put in this headline an intriguing striking matchup and that's really the story here and truthfully guys it's the only intriguing matchup on this whole card in my opinion there are interesting fighters kind of sprinkled around some prospects obviously a lot of guys that you're not gonna you know they're not gonna be household names but guys that maybe in a year or two they might be fighting for belts for all we know and uh, yeah um, definitely some interesting guys in that in that realm but Unfortunately, this card's not the strongest. We did lose our co main event that had been moved from a stacked card last week to this one Chris Dawkins and uh, Shamil Abdurrahimov that's been pushed back to UFC 266. So hopefully we'll get to talk about it then. But, anyways, let's focus on the main event here. This really, we know what these guys are capable of. Mm -hmm. Uriah Hall, I've said it time and time again. I've talked about. How this guy, when he's on,
1: he's, he's on. Electric, <laughs> yeah. he is
0: electric. Yeah, I mean, he is a dangerous man. Potentially, I don't want to go out of my way and say like, at his best, he's one of the best in the division. But you might go that far. I mean, he's one of the most dangerous. For he's sure. one of the
1: most powerful. Yeah, powerful strikers.
0: While Sean Strickland is quite consistent. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really been his. He's very quietly rose very quickly. You want to talk about a slept-on fighter? And consistency has been key for him. I mean, a big win over Brendan Allen was yeah. kind of what really sort of got him his name registered to people. And since then, he's it's again the consistency. The guy is very good at getting really getting the fights done and over with. I mean he he picks his shots like he picks and chooses. Doesn't really. Uh, overload or anything like that but so precise and carries some sort of power because he's you look at like the the way he finished brendan allen i mean that was nasty stuff so um what are your thoughts kind of coming in here what's the storyline for you for this fight because to me it's the uriah hall at his best i believe is a better fighter than sean strickland Mm. but consistency is the biggest story for me here. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you look at Uriah's last fight, he was coming out, and I arguably, I had him scored down in that fight to Anderson Silva before he ended up getting the TKO. So, And as Dana hinted in the post-fight presser, he was not very big, or nice, I should say, in the post-fight presser. He was so mean. He was so mean, Dana, very mean. Um, Uriah Hall just, he's been known a time or two to just be a little gun-shy, but when he fires the trigger, hoo-wee, he finishes people in dramatic fashion. He has one of the most electric knockouts in uh, tough history. The spinning back wheel kick years ago. I mean, we know when we talk about this time and time again on the show, where you know Dana was looking at Uriah on tough, like, okay, this guy's going to win the ultimate fighter, and we have to put him in a fight with Anderson Silva because he's going to starch anybody else that we put him up against. So, I mean, that is the type of praise that this guy had, and yes, he's had a very back and forth career in the UFC, and now at 36 years old, all of a sudden finds himself on a four-fight win streak. Is he hitting that prime at a little bit later of an age? Is it the matchups he's been given? Is he fighting in a different way? Is the patient striking helping him out here? But for Strickland, the guy that is more slept on, you don't hear about him nearly as much, has slowly built his way into the top 15. He's also on a four-fight win streak, six years younger, only 30 years old, and a guy that really can put... Technical precise combinations together. Both these guys are very technical, patient strikers. With Strickland kind of having more volume in the com or in the exchanges. So that's where this could be a potential lackluster fight up until there's a finish, or maybe it is a barn burner. I mean, you really never know. But it is the striking battle here. That's why the headline is what it is. It's two guys that. <laughs> I'd be willing to have bet a hefty sum. Again, we're not getting betting advice on this show. But <laughs> this fight will likely not take place on the ground unless someone gets injured and gets TKO'd on the floor. I think it's going to be a five-round striking war with finishes possible from both guys. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of X's and O's. Who's going to manage the distance? Who's going to land the power shots? Who's going to be the aggressor in a fight like this with two patient strikers? It could be interesting.
0: I agree. and you know I we know that these fights can go so many ways. Yeah this, this this fight could be the most boring fight you've ever seen, but it, it could also be a, a highlight of a yeah. fight of the year. I mean that's that's almost any fight. So really it's <laughs> true. It's almost a null point. I'm not saying anything to you there. I'm just saying for me to really, I guess give my thoughts on how this fight might go. In terms of like how entertaining it might be, it's just kind of a null point for me to make. Yeah, all I want to see here is yes, you're right, Raya Hall's on a nice winning streak. One of those, just gonna put a nice little asterisk, yeah, true, true, there because that was the Chris Weidman leg check. And I'm just gonna put a nice little asterisk, bam, right there. Yeah, yeah. but still, three fights outside of that. Looked good in all of them. I know the Anderson Silva one. Dana really shit on him hard for it. But yeah, man. I didn't think he looked that bad, to be honest. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, I kind of thought I might, I might be crazy because I, like, <laughs> I was like, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, yeah. Silva is still Anderson Silva in some yeah. ways, you know. However, it's all about consistency here. If he really wants to kind of get that name, that jump forward you know, potentially fight a guy in the top five next. Yeah. We need a good performance out of him here. He doesn't he's, – he's battling the clock in some ways. I mean, mm-hmm. 46. You know, Sean Strickland, we know that he – I feel like he's going to be the guy that you more expect to be composed. Uh, you more expect him to be calm in there. I mean, he's always been that kind of guy, calm, level, composed, No expressions,
1: but, nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> While Uriah Hall is – I wouldn't call him necessarily like um, not like he's showing a ton of emotions on his face yeah, or anything. Right. But he does seem a guy that can kind of welt under some pressure. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the fight he had with like Paulo Costa. Yeah. It was one where the pressure that Costa brought was just overwhelming. And a lot of people will fall to that Costa pressure. But still, it's it's just an interesting point here. I like this fight. I think we like it probably more than most people. Yeah, Give this one chance. Um, you might end up regretting watching it. I don't know, but um, also there are again some interesting fights spread out around here. I'm assuming since we lost this co-main, have they said what the co-main is yet? Because I'm wondering if Sam Alvey's moving back to the co-main event. I can He's, find it for you. Sam Alvey's fighting for his career. you like smiling, Sam? You know. Yeah. And of then um, there's a really intriguing women's belt on here. Cheyenne buys. I do like uh, that one. Yes. Her opponent actually is the one I'm more interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her opponent's striking is very nice and uh, very powerful too. So I, I can't remember her opponent's name. Can you give, can you give that one so she can get a nice little
1: shout out? uh hold on i can only see their last names right now but she's fighting uh de paula hold on i'm pulling it up on their ufc yeah math, i can't
0: i can't remember what her name is exactly but i'm interested in that one even though i'm pretty sure both women are winless inside the ufc i think they both won
1: uh, from... shy and and gloria they they paula they, it's they both probably won. not actually pronounced that way but... they
0: both uh fought on the contender series right and they, yes they they lost their debuts i believe in the ufc yes um, Giant buys lost to Montserrat Canejo. And uh, I I like that fight, though. I'm interested, although a lot of people are probably more interested in it for buys. I'm actually, uh, DePaul is the one I'm intrigued by.
1: The new co main, just because you asked, is uh, Kong Kyung Ho and uh, Ronnie Yaya is the new co main event. Okay, that's
0: fun. So uh, if you guys, you know, we're going to be watching this card and hopefully there'll be some, hopefully we can come to you on Monday and say we were wrong.
1: There'll be a couple we right. talk about. I'd There's say.
0: obviously going to be with fights like this that look lackluster on paper. It always means they're going to kick ass. One of
1: them and, will perform very yeah. much.
0: Yeah. And the fight, the card will probably be amazing. And yeah, we'll, we'll gush about it on Monday. But um, check it out at least for the main event. I think that that main event's got some potential. But yes, that's going to wrap up the MMA weekend preview. Next week, three episode week. Monday we'll obviously be doing the recap. Wednesday, it's the next edition of our Reddit roundtable. Boy, Dominic, send your questions in, by the way. Dominic, Reddit, Reddit has been—they've been chirping. (laughs) I've been looking
1: a little bit, yeah, chirping. Uh,
0: But yes, if you would like to have your question featured on the show, whether it be with your voice included, or if you would just like to send us a question, you can do so with the link in the link tree. Uh, You can find a link tree in both of our bios. If you're listening, I guess I'll. At Deesley 14 on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> at N.T. Baker
1: underscore. Real uh, nice and loud into the
0: microphone. On Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure to leave your questions under the – there is a nice little link on that link tree for submitting a voice message on our anchor page. If you'd rather not have your voice included, you can just – if you know us, you could text us. True. But if not, just go to our social medias uh, or to Below Average Joe's social media, yep. which we'll plug here in a minute. And you can send the questions on there. Uh, it would be really nice if we could start getting more viewer questions. If you guys mm-hmm. have anything you want us to talk about, please, please just ask. We'll talk about it. Come yeah, on, we're nice. But the Friday after that, Uh-oh. it's going to be a preview again. UFC 265,
1: two title fights. That well, the
0: much, the much, the much guy. maligned <laughs> heavyweight interim title fight between Derek Lewis and Surreal gone and then you got the women's bantamweight title. The... The goat Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. Yes, Dominic. Can Eichel. I just
1: say, isn't it? Didn't you feel like the gone Lewis fight just got announced like like a week ago? Well, gone just fought. Like, God just. It fought was the it. end of June. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, they literally
0: announced it right like right after he won, they announced it. And they're like, oh, and by the way, it's next month's
1: pay per view. So. It's literally. A week away by the time you guys are listening to this. Also on that card, Munoz versus Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, I should say. This fight card is honestly stacked top to bottom. So yeah, like Noah the one said that, uh, the quotes back. Amanda Nunes.
0: That's the one that uh Bobby Green and um Bobby
1: Green and um Fazayev yeah, are fighting. Yes, yeah. It's
0: a really good card, so we'll it's be stacked. able to uh, we'll be able to get a lot of time to that one.
1: Manel so, Capes back, Carolina Kolvolkavich. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Sorry, exactly. I didn't mean to get all rowdy. Oh, I had no, a lot of looking. good fights,
0: but until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on
1: social media. Well, no, I already did it, so I'm going to save y'all some time <laughs> and just do it really quick. On Instagram, on Twitter, at Deesley14. More importantly, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at baj underscore. Don't forget the underscore MMA podcast. Spell the lead him. Uh, S-A-L-L-E-E, two L's, <laughs> two E's. Don't forget it.
0: That's why that's why we been making questions. They've been doing D-Sally.
1: They've been doing Sally the whole time. All the audio-only listeners, come on over to YouTube just for a time or two. Hit the subscribe button. Then you can see our names and stuff there.
0: <laughs> wow, shameless plug. Shameless, just plug. a little one. And like or, it, whatever. <laughs> for me, you can go to my Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. And if you go to my nice little bio... On there, there is a link to the link tree that has Aww. links to all the platforms the podcast is on along with social media platforms. That includes but is not limited to the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. So, yes, I guess it is limited to these options. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor. As per usual, we salute you. Uh, the links on there for Anchor are leaving a voice message. And if you want to become a supporter of the podcast,